0: Go ahead and take your Bibles, if you would. If you need a Bible, there should be a Bible in the pew in front of you. Uh, Feel free to pick up one of those. And uh, we're in the New Testament. You can go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. We uh, have been going through the book of Hebrews. And we find ourselves today in chapter 11. You recall last time I was with you guys, uh, we started there in the first couple of verses. We actually read the whole passage of Scripture Uh, And so we want to pick up and sort of make our way through chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews. Let me just say uh, thank you again. I I mentioned this to the Wednesday night crowd. Uh, I appreciate, probably ought to mic up here. I I appreciated the time that you uh, gave to my family and I to to get away for a little vacation last week. And it was nice, uh, a little R&R. Uh, don't let the Facebook pictures fool you. Uh, we actually only went two locations. We went to the beach and we went to the state fair. So, and that was enough. And then we, we, we hibernated. <laughs> we secluded ourselves, Got some R&R. It was good. Uh, and I appreciate that. I knew you were left in great hands. We watched live last week and heard uh, Dr. Shook's message. Um, however, I did cut it off in the very beginning when he made the joke about being better looking than me. So. <laughs> I said, I'm done. That's it. No, no. No, I actually did stay with it and watched it and uh, I knew it was a a, a good message. I mean, if he's gonna air, he might as well air in his jokes, right? Not theology, so that's okay. Um, But it was good, very good. And and that's one of the things I share with Wednesday Night Crowd. I said, you know, as a pastor, man, it gives me great comfort to know that if my family is called away or needs to be out of town or, or misses for any reason, you are blessed, Community Baptist Church, with teachers. We have got some very gifted teachers from the Sunday school class to the pulpit. Uh, Pastor Nate, Pastor Dean, uh, Pastor Shook, as well as our Sunday school teachers. You guys know who you are. You students know who they are. And uh, that helps me um, know that, um, that you're in good hands. And, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate uh, Dr. Shook's service last week. Turn, if you would, then Hebrews 11, and uh, I'm not going to read through the whole passage in this first setting, but we will read through this section as we unpack it. How far will we get today? I don't know. I don't know, Uh, but that's a given. And and we will. We'll just make it as far as we can. We'll see where we end up today. That's one of the nice things about the book study is wherever we stop, well, that's where you know to pick up next next go-round. Let's go ahead and at least look at the first portion, though, of Scripture. Hebrews 11, and I'm going to back up verse 1 to give us context. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith... We understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, And through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away, so that he did not see death, and was not found, because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Heavenly Father, I pray that You will give me clarity of thought. I pray that, uh, Lord, You will keep our attention on Christ, on the things of Christ. As we unpack the Word today, I ask that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher. Lord, I pray that uh, You will move in our hearts that you will meet with us, that we will commune with you as we have through worship already. And I pray that it will continue in this time of study. Uh, Make your truth known. Have your will in your way in our hearts and our lives for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Carver, I'm not sure um, if you should have had a PowerPoint that came in about late last night. Um, if you could check on that one. Uh, It should be the Hebrews 11 sermon. Um, While he looks for that, let's uh, at least go ahead and and kind of begin to, to look through this section. As you recall, in the book of Hebrews, there is this ongoing pleading from the author of Hebrews to that group. Of gathered believers predominantly a Jewish group many who are struggling with do I go back into Old Testament practices or do I go forward in faith in Jesus Christ and they were sort of on the fence then of course in this group there's this batch that's solid committed to Jesus Christ and they are hungry and thirsty for truth and righteousness. They're wanting to follow uh, by faith in Christ as they move forward. And then, of course, there's a third group. That's the scoffer and the, those who are in their midst but have decided that Christ is not the way and they want to return, and they already are in their practices, back into the Old Testament things. Now, what they don't know is that the temple practice as they know it is about to fall. Um, it is 80,70 is just around the corner. And this old covenant that they were familiar with is no more, because Jesus Christ has, as was told in the upper room, offering a new covenant through His blood. And the writer of Hebrews has been trying to make this argument that Jesus is greater, than the old way. Jesus has provided the fulfillment of the law. All those things you studied in the Old Testament, all those things you've read in the temple practices, all of those animal sacrifices, everything that you know, whether it's from Abraham, whether it's from Moses, whether it's from Isaac and Jacob, all those things that you revered from the prophets, they simply were pointing you to the person of Jesus Christ. And apart from Christ, there is no hope. So once you have this full revelation that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him, once you understand that, if you willfully choose to walk away, then you continue on in your own sin. And there is no sacrifice that remains for you. There is no hope for you. That's what the writer of Hebrews has been pleading. Because these are his Jewish brethren. These are uh, the chosen people but yet they have all this time carried the oracles of God, the teachings from the Old Testament, those scrolls that filled every synagogue that they worshipped at weekly. And now that Christ has come and fulfilled the law, and His death, His burial, and His resurrection has torn the veil, if it were, through His flesh, He has now ascended and sat down at the right hand of God. He has said, it's finished. You don't need to do those things anymore. That stuff is done. It's finished. It's complete. All you who who labor and are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. You don't work towards salvation. As believers, we work from salvation to the glory of God. But still, many sat on the fence and would not follow and would go back into the way of Judaism. Many were already there. And so the writer writes to encourage. Carver, I appreciate the effort, but that's not it, my friend. Um, Okay, that's fine. We'll press on. So, looking at where we're at in chapter 11. He starts here in this section saying, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What do the Old Testament saints hope for? What have they been hoping for? Well, since the fall of man, there's been a promised seed. There's been a promised Messiah who would come and deliver the people from their sins. That's what they've been hoping for. Every one of them throughout the Old Testament, this is what they've been hoping for. Did they see it? Did it come in their lifetime? No. Did that affect however Those who followed faithfully, did it affect them to the point that they fell away? Now we have the examples, and the Hebrew writer has been saying this, and you go back and read the other chapters, there were many who shrunk back. And that's why he warns them, don't be like some of the others who shrunk back when the spies went into the land and spied it out. And and ten of them came back and said, we're going to get our tails whooped if we go in there. And two of them said, no, we ain't. God's on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? We're going to take these giants. And the rest of the crowd believed the ten naysayers and said, "Uh-uh," and they shrunk back, never receiving the promise, never entering into the fullness of the promise. By the way, did they did they eventually enter into the promised land? Yeah, they wandered forty years in the desert, but their, their descendants ended up going in. Now, the two that were yesayers, they got to go, right? Their families. So, but here's the thing. Even though they went into the promised land, eventually the people of Israel never fully received the promise in that they began to embrace the idolatry of the other peoples around them. And so they never, even though they possessed the land, the Old Testament gives us their struggles. As you've been learning in Sunday school, the captivity, Babylonian captivity. They eventually go you know, uh, into, into captivity. The Assyrians, the Babylonians... So they never fully received the promise in its entirety that they could have and should have. Christian, we've talked about this in the study of Hebrews. There are many people who are saved, sealed, on their way to glory, but don't walk in victory. You still trip at the sins that so easily trip you. And we live defeated lives and we're miserable and we don't know why things aren't going this and and we just woe is me and we sit under our juniper tree and we whine and we complain and we... (laughs) And we're not living in victory. And so when the Hebrew writer gives us chapter 11, which seems so different from all the other chapters in the book of Hebrews, you need to know why. Hebrews 11 is an illustration of exactly what he's been talking about. The just shall live by faith. And faith is not contingent upon your circumstances. You're going to see as we unpack this chapter 11, if I can kill that bug. I had faith I was going to kill it. If... As we unpack this chapter 11, you're going to see illustration upon illustration of people who live by faith. And guess what? Some of them had some pretty stinky lives. Things didn't go their way. All right? Get this out of your mind that if I become a follower of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden everything's going to clear up. My bank account's going to be good. It's going to be rosy. I'm going to have good health. That's a lie. Now, I hope you do have those things, but you know what? The only thing you're promised as a follower of Christ, those who live, choose to live a righteous life, will suffer persecution. There's your promise. Won't you come? Who wants to come follow Jesus today and get your life persecuted? A little suffering, strengthen your faith. And so I am grateful that we have what's called the great hall of faith because these are examples of Old Testament people who had faith. And yet the substance of their faith, the Messiah, had not yet come. But they hoped for Him and they lived as if He would come in their life. And as New Testament believers, we also, we don't look forward in the sense of salvation that they look forward to, we as New Testament believers look back to the cross of Calvary and therefore we see its fulfillment but we also like them walk in faith because we recognize there is coming a culmination for both the Old Testament believer and the New Testament believer where all things will be, consu- will be, conf- uh, will be filled in Christ, fulfilled later. There is a hope of glory There is one day coming, and I know my older senior saints, and I'm right on your heels with my body aches, are looking forward to a glorified body, amen? It's coming. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There is a great resurrection day coming. And the just, knowing this, have the substance, have the promises not yet fulfilled... Last time I checked, some of you came in this morning like this, right? It ain't yet fulfilled, but it's coming. So I'm going to walk by faith, and some of us are going to walk a little harder by faith. But it's coming. The faith is in the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I've got evidence that Jesus Christ is coming back. I've got a lot of evidence. I'll tell you the best evidence I got, the tomb's empty. Amen! Amen! The tomb is empty. He's the first fruit. He has shown us and He has promised us He is who we claim to be. And He makes you and I promises just like God made promises to the Old Testament saints. Well, let's look at some of these Old Testament promises. By the way, verse 2, we talked about this a little bit last week. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. What does that mean? They had favor from God. We know the New Testament teaches us that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Guys, do you know that we're saved the same way the Old Testament believer was saved? By faith. By grace are we saved through faith. The grace that was given to them is the same grace that's given to me and you from the same God who gave it to us. And He has manifested Himself to us all in the person of Jesus Christ. They look to His coming, we look back at His coming. But at the end, we all will be gathered in one. The wall of separation is torn down, the New Testament teaches this. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. In Christ, there is one. And we're going to see this is what he he brings into conclusion of this great hall of faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are, are seen were not made of things which are visible. He's making this argument. Every one of these people that he's going to list had faith in the unseen. Faith is that. That's what it is. And so, for example, the first one. Also, if you're, if you're circling, you may want to jot this down. Look in the scriptures. Notice this little phrase that we just kind of read over and we didn't pay much attention if, if, if we weren't looking close. Verse 2 says, For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By what? By it. By it, the elders obtained a good testimony. The answer is going to follow in the phrase, by faith. That's the it. Faith. So notice verse 3, by faith. Verse 4, by faith. Verse 5, by faith. Verse 7, by faith. Verse 8, by faith. Verse 9, by faith. Verse 11, by faith. He continues on, 17, by faith. Verse 20, by faith. Verse 21, by faith. And on and on and on. You may want to circle that as we go through this. For by it, those Old Testament examples become examples for you and me. How are you and I going to get there? How are you and I going to persevere, Saint, through the trials, through the sufferings, through the hard times, through the bad times, through the struggles? By faith. But your faith is not a pie in the sky. Your faith is not a blind leap. Your faith is grounded in the evidence of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Faith is grounded in the object, in the person. Your faith is only as good as the object that it's in. I said this last week. Let me say it again. Your faith is only as good as the object your faith is in. If I try to sit on this right here, Danielle's going to have a heart attack, but I don't trust me sitting on this, and I know y'all don't me either. (laughs) So I'm not going to do it. I dare not put my faith in this supporting my weight. I know some of you get a little nervous when I use the office chairs, but hey, I'm working on it. Back off. Ever tell you the story? I sat down on that corner right over there, and you ladies, I love you ladies, but when you decorate for Christmas, you forget to take the nails out when you're done. I sat down one day, true story, I don't know, some of you might know this, but some of you don't. I sat down over there and preaching and teaching and talking, I went to get up, and the nail caught me. Preacher had a choice to make. I can either deliver the rest of this hour-long message sitting here, or I can risk ripping my pants. Well, I kind of reached my hand back. Y'all didn't know what I was doing. At least maybe you thought you did. (laughs) But I kind of tried to wiggle, I tried again, I couldn't get up. I just kept talking, I tried to get up, and I couldn't. And then finally, I pulled just a little bit, and I thought, okay, I'm going to have to just, maybe it'll be a small rip, and it it just kind of broke loose. I thought, hallelujah. So, true story. I don't know why I told you that, but anyway. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you. It's it's, it's very revealing, isn't it? Not as revealing if the nail would have tore my pants, but anyway, that's another story. Guys, by faith, look at what happened here to these people. By faith, verse 4, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, you all know the story of Abel, and if you don't, I invite you today, go home, look up the story of Abel and Cain. Cain and Abel, the first murderer in Scripture. Abel, the second son of Adam and Eve, and you'll recall that they were to bring sacrifice, to bring worship to God. And they both brought a sacrifice. One was the required animal sacrifice. Abel was the first shepherd in the Scriptures. But you know, Cain worked the land and he brought, I believe, some of the most beautiful fruit from his labor. I believe he probably picked. I believe he worked hard. I believe he toiled and, 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 and worked that, that, that crop to the best of his ability. I think he came and he, he, he selected what he thought was probably going to be just the most awesome, awesome presentation to give to God. He's going to love this. And yet, Cain's offering was rejected because it was given in disobedience. Whereas to Abel was obedient. We've learned in Hebrews without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. When man fell in the garden, when Adam and Eve realized their shame and nakedness, the first thing that happened was God sacrificed. I can't prove this from Scripture, but I believe it was a lamb. But there was an animal sacrifice that was, that was the, there was a the death of an animal. And this is the first time we see death in, in the creation. And God used that skin to clothe. Again, this is type. We've learned this in Hebrews. All this is type and shadow, pointing to who Jesus Christ is, the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God who will clothe you in His righteousness, if only you will let Him, if only you will come to Him in repentance, in faith, in an obedient heart on His terms. But instead, what does Cain do? Cain comes in his own terms, just like we do when we're self-righteous, when we think that, hey, I'm going to go to 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 church and do this, and I'm going to do that, I'm going to do better in my life, and I'm going to be a better person. And it's all the works of our hands. If only I can do better, I can try better, if I just read my Bible more, if I just give more, if I just go to church more, then maybe I will earn favor with God. Maybe I will gain a good testimony like the elders. Maybe I will be pleasing to God. Gang, there is nothing you and I will ever do that we could ever do that would make us stand just. Before a holy, perfect, righteous God. Our good deeds are filthy rags. That's why you and I desperately need a Savior. That's why you and I desperately need the grace of God. Religion is man's attempt to try and reach up to God, to try and please God, to try and do what's pleasing to God, and man falls short. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. But God extends grace through relationship, through His Son, Jesus Christ, and He reaches down to mankind. And that's why when we, by faith, believe God at His Word and respond in obedience and recognize that we all fall short of the glory of God and there's none that are righteous, no, not one, and there is nothing I can do but to cry out to God in repentance and faith and say, forgive me, God, I have sinned against you. And by faith receive His Son, Jesus Christ, He says, as many as as receive him, to them he gives the right to become children of God. And so we see Abel bringing an obedient sacrifice. In other words, he heard what God said. And he didn't just hear it. He was a doer of the word. He believed God. He took God at his word. And he obeyed what God had said. And he exercised faith. Did you know faith? James talks about this. Faith without works is dead. I I don't know, uh, Chandler's not here today, is he? I don't know if Chandler would remember this, but uh, I did an illustration one time at Wayne Christian School back when he was in chapel service. And I'm pretty sure it was Chandler that you can check with me later, verify the facts. But if not, it was one of his buddies on the basketball team. But I, I invited him up to the front, in front of everybody, and I had a basketball. And I said, okay, I'm going to tell you something that's truthful. You can choose to believe me or not believe me. But here's the truth. In three seconds, I am going to chest pass this ball right to your face. In three, two, one. And I threw it pretty hard. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that Chandler believed me. He caught it. Boy, that would have been a terrible illustration if he didn't (laughs) believe me, wouldn't it? I mean, it really wouldn't have been, but it would have been. Because, <laughs> you know, I had to talk to Mom about that one. But, uh, I probably had to talk to Chandler about that one once he got off of me from pounding me. But anyway. He chose to not only hear me, he chose to believe me. And his faith resulted in action. Faith always results in action. We can't say, oh yeah, I believe Jesus Christ came into this world and died for my sins and He offers me uh, through His death and His burial and His resurrection, He offers me eternal life, that if I'm willing to repent, turn from my sin and put my faith and trust in who He is and what He's done on my behalf, that He will forgive me and save me. I can't say I believe that intellectually and walk away and keep living my life the way I choose to live it. That would be a contradiction. That's not saving faith. Now is there that type of thing going on? Absolutely. Liberal theology is teaching it left and right. There's even good Bible-believing churches that say it's an intellectual assent. But guys, saving faith, saving faith, not only comes through the intellect, it finds its way to the core of who we are to the point that it causes action. It causes my life to want to turn from my old man ways. And now I turn to surrender in faith the new life that Jesus Christ offers me. And now by faith, because I believe God for who He is, I believe the promises He has made to mankind, so therefore I now begin to walk by faith, believing and trusting Jesus Christ for what he said. That's faith in action. This hall of faith illustrates this type of saving, believing faith. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness. See, same word that we saw back over in verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony, a good witness. So in other words... By this he obtained a witness that he was righteous. How could God go ahead and pronounce him righteous? Jesus Christ had not yet come. Grace through faith. And see, this is what the Hebrew writer's been trying to plead with these people. Guys, it never was your Old Testament rituals. It wasn't even this ritual that saved Abel. Jesus Christ, His sacrifice, His death, His burial, and resurrection is what saves all of us from the beginning of time to the end of time. It's only through the door that we can gain entrance. And Jesus Christ is the door. God, testifying of His gifts, and through it, He being dead, still speaks. What does that mean? Well, this is simply put, he says, look at the look at the example that still speaks to you today. We are still today hearing the testimony, the example of Abel's faith. Now, if you go back and read that passage, you're not going to find Abel's faith, blah, 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 blah. But you see his faith by his obedient action. And it's still speaking today. Hebrew reader, New Testament church, you want to see an example of believing faith, saving faith, what it looks like to understand that the just shall live by faith? Let me tell you about Abel. That's what he's saying. And boy, he don't stop there, does he? Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Uh, Y'all know the story of Enoch, right? This is an awesome story, man. I believe this is the first indication, idea of understanding of the rapture. I mean, here's Enoch, man. Enoch is living by faith. He is walking by faith. He trusts God. He is so close in his intimate relationship with God and, and following after God. God just says, you know what? I'm just going to go and take you on home, man. I'm going bring you up here with me. And it says he didn't see death. Now there's some great mysteries surrounding this. I dare not understand all of it. I got my own theories. You know, this is one of those things that keep you up late at night in the seminary. Who do you think the two witnesses are going to be that are in the book of Revelation? They're going to come back at the end of the time and they're going to testify. I think it's going to be a Moses and Elijah. And I would say, I think it's Enoch. What? Yeah. Hebrews says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Enoch hadn't died yet. I think God's gonna send him back let him be one of those two prophets. Oh, well, you can disagree with me. That's fine. It's just fun fodder. We can battle around back and forth. It's all, it's all good. I still love you. But this is kind of interesting, isn't it? What do we know? Well, let's stick with the facts. Just the facts, man. Nothing but the facts. What are the facts? By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. You know, there's coming a time those that are alive and remain will be caught up in the air. There's going to be a generation that will not see death of believers. There will be a group of believers on the earth in the future that will be like an Enoch that will be taken up into the presence of God. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, how did he please God? Okay, this is where you can use one of them syllogisms, right? Or or one of those uh, reasoning tactics. Logic, that's what it is. Logic tactic right here, Right? Who was it? John Piper gave this great illustration. I know I'm going to butcher it, but anyway, if you want to hear it in its entirety and fullness, you check him out on this one. He had a good little illustration on this. It says, for before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Enoch Pleased God. Enoch believed God. It was counted unto him as righteousness, right? By the way, if you are waiting on that illustration, it left me. So you have to go check out Piper. (laughs) See, it was like Enoch. He just got taken out of here. It happens when you get older. (laughs) I was just saying. But look, Enoch was living a life by faith. He took God at His word. He believed His promises. He believed the promise of a coming Messiah who would atone for his sin. And that's where his faith was. His faith was not in his trying to please God, he was pleasing God because of his faith in Messiah. Where's your faith today? Where's your faith today? Is it in yourself? Is it in the things that you're doing? Is it in your membership at Community Baptist Church? Is it in trying to do better? It's important that we hear this section without faith. It is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. You must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Guys, can I tell you, it's not hard to find Him. He's not hiding from you. He never has been. He never was. In fact, God has revealed Himself in the manifest form of a man by the name of Jesus Christ. God the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, stepped into time and has made himself known. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He went uh, upon this uh, journey on earth as a sinless perfection. He kept the law, which showed mankind we're guilty. We're all guilty. But Christ is the only God-man, the only begotten Son, who's able to live and fulfill the righteous requirements. What's going to get me and you in right standing in the presence of God? Perfection. I don't have any apart from Jesus Christ. And neither do you. And that's why by faith we must come to Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. And the Hebrew writer has been making this case. Jesus is greater. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the priesthood. He's greater than the angels. He is God. And He's reached down to you and given us grace by which we can be saved. If you've not received this grace, I encourage you today, by faith, turn from your sin. Recognize God for who He is. Recognize that Jesus Christ is our only, only hope of salvation. And He makes us some promises. The question is, will you believe His word? Will I believe His word? And will that result in action in my life? The just shall live by faith. We'll look at some more of these next week. We've got a lot more characters to unpack. We'll probably move a little faster. But guys, I'm telling you, this hall of faith is going to be a great encouragement to us because you know what you find in this great hall of faith? Murderers, prostitutes, some pretty bad people. Which you know what? Let's me know. Whew, there is hope for me. Right? because we too are just as guilty. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's amazing. It's powerful, Lord. I know it, it cuts to the discerning of thoughts. And, and Lord, I pray that in this closing moment, that if there be any listener here watching via the um, television or... Uh, listening online, uh, or here in this sanctuary, if there be anyone that has never surrendered their heart and life to Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray in this closing moment of prayer that they would simply cry out to You. They would acknowledge Jesus Christ is who we claim to be. He is God incarnate. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And He has provided a way for us to be made right in the sight of God, to be pleasing. And we can receive this grace and this forgiveness through faith. And I pray that they will exercise that faith today by turning to You and calling out to the only name under heaven given amongst men by which to be saved, the name of Jesus Christ. If that's you, then I invite you in this closing moment, let God look upon your heart and you cry out to the Lord in faith, asking Him to save you. Turn from your sin, repentance, and put your hope in the only person you can put your hope in. And that's the one who's reached down to save you. And He makes you some promises. Whosoever shall call upon His name shall be saved. Call upon Him in this moment. If you do, we'd like to hear about it. I'd love to speak with you. I'd love to give you some things that will help you grow in your walk to encourage you. Father, be with us now as we close in song and meditation. Help us as followers walk by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.